any given Monday. The weekend's over, the final sirens have sounded. We've got our winners and losers, our champs and our chumps. Any given Monday. So now it's time to look back and evaluate all the games, dramas and controversies from the best sport in the world. Any given Monday. So forget about those back-to-work blues and settle in for this week's edition of Any Given Monday. Please join your hosts, author and historian Dr Dan Eddy and local football expert Owen Carter as they're joined by special weekly guests for your most comprehensive wrap of the weekend's action. Let's get to it. Any Given Monday. Hello and welcome to another edition of Any Given Monday, brought to you by papernews.com.au. There's some fantastic stories up on the website at the moment, with plenty going on locally in the Gippsland area, as well as some uh, major news throughout Melbourne. So go to papernews.com.au for all your news uh, updates. It's it's on the pulse. It's up the second something happens. I know with... Um, Premier Dan Dan Andrews' um, big press conference yesterday. Uh, it was up on their website in uh, before the presser had even finished. I think uh, Maddie Dunn had it up on the website. So well done to the team there and keeping us in the loop in uh, pretty awful times at the moment. But thankfully we've got footy and f- things like that that we can talk about just for a minor distraction. Doctor Dan Eddy here with you. Uh, yeah, I won't waffle too much. I'll put you onto our actual expert in. Local uh, local hero, the man who knows everything going on locally in Owen Carter. How are you, mate? Good, Dr. Dan. Thank you for that very, very kind introduction. Uh, yes, not going to be too much more local footy going on after uh, mm. some Dan Andrews introductions uh, as of Sunday and probably Monday as well. But uh, yeah, plenty of AFL to talk about, which is very nice. Yeah, well, you can say that because you're a Saints fan. Us Essendon people don't want to talk about the footy at all, mate. But uh, I thought before we get into it today, mate, we've got someone with us. We've got him on the line who, if anyone wants to know anything, if anyone needs to know anything uh, regional football, then this man probably knows it. And most people in the regional areas will know his face, know his name, know his books, know his podcast, know anything <laughs> about him. He's, he's here, there and everywhere. Paul Daffy. He's a uh, prolific author. His latest, the most recent one, was The Totem Poles of Oyen United Travels in Country Footy. Fantastic. I'm sure it was a bestseller. We'll ask him about that. Uh, he's written another oh, bunch of other books and uh, contributed chapters in others. You've, you've probably even seen him uh, in the Footy Almanac and Footy Town. Uh, you name it. I could go on, but I won't. I'll let Paul uh, <laughs> explain it a bit better for us. Paul, thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks, Dan. Thanks, Owen. Uh, hello, listeners. Mate, how uh, how are you coping during uh, the last few weeks, months? Have you been able to keep busy? Uh, no, no chance to probably get to too many regional areas for footy. But how how are you travelling? Well, I'm not travelling. That's the that's the key. <laughs> uh, Good. <laughs> we we just can't go. As of today, we can't go. So we can't go more than five kilometres. It's, um, mm. I mean, I, I mean, I, someone like me who gets a bit restless and likes to just tool around the state should be feeling, you know, making it feel, should be doing it hard, but I, I actually haven't minded. I'm starting to go a bit stir-crazy now. But um, mm. I'm writing another mm. book, and that's just sort of, uh, it's become, they become all, 
as you would know, Dan, they become all uh, encompassing and mm-hmm. take over your life. So I sort of haven't had... Well, as soon as I finish the book, I'll be very restless, I reckon. But <laughs> that's taking all my attention at the moment. So, you know, I'm on JobKeeper like a lot of other people. And I'm using the time to write a book on my travels from last season. Mm-hmm. Sounded a good idea. Just, you know, I might just whip that off. There's no... They hurt. Every one of them, they hurt. So... <laughs> The yeah. discipline required to get to your desk and nut out, what am I going to do? And it's just, there's a lot of work. And I, I underestimate it every time, but I'm sort of addicted. I, <laughs> I just like doing it. So I'm yeah. doing another one. I can, I can relate to that. And the, you're right. I just, I've just finished one on Peter Crimmins myself. And um, when you're in, absorbed in it, you just go full on. But then when it, when you submit it and it's finished and it goes off to the printer, you, you suddenly have a bit of a, Wow, I've been uh, knocked around a bit here because it is it is really mentally taxing. But a bit like me, mate, we we just love doing it, don't we? And uh, there's, there's something there's some kind of drug attached to it, I think, because it just keeps us going back for more. Hmm. Well, I keep saying I'm going to get away from footy, but it doesn't happen. I just keep going back. <laughs> so, uh, so here, mate, talking to you, likes about footy. So yeah, well, right. but but um, yeah, look, I've, I've been okay with that. The local footy. Uh, I was going to coach my son's under seventeen team, and I was actually, and we got it. So we had our first lockdown, and then training got away, got underway during the second, and we were all set to start. And then the second lockdown was called the week weekend. The first yeah. match was going to be, and that was actually deflating. I, I can't remember being that deflated because, um, yeah, you know, the, the, the build up and the boys were looking forward to it. I was. Very nervous. I mean, coaching, uh, coaching for the first time, and uh, you might say it's uh, you're coaching teenagers. It shouldn't matter, but there's still a bit of a. Well, I was nervous, and that, that was quite deflating because it was so. the rug pulled from under the feet. That that was that's been the biggest disappointment this year. Mm-hmm. One of the things about what I do is you don't. I mean, travel around a lot, so different uh, different place each week. You don't get to build. Um, strong relationships, uh, unless it's over a period of many years. Yeah. So well, it's actually quite lonely. Uh, I'll finish like every year at the end of the season. I was, you know, I don't have particularly anyone to have an end of the season shindig with. It's sort of mm-hmm. uh, it's been me all along. So the, the idea of getting involved in a club and being with the same people week after week has great appeal. So that that's one of the reasons. Yeah. That I was keen to coach, and I'm very involved in my kids' sport, so um, for that aspect as well. But just the relationship side, but it, it, it is quite lonely traveling by yourself to these various places, and I meet people I like every week, but then I meet someone someone else I like the next week. So that's one of the um, paradoxes about what I do, I suppose. I, I meet a lot of people, but it's actually they're not sustained relationships. Mm. Yeah, uh, well, Daff, if you uh, want to organise an end-of-season catch-up with me or, or Dan, you're, you're more than welcome to, mate. <laughs> well, this might be not, not a bad idea, actually. <laughs> We're going to have our own little freelancers <laughs> bad Monday or That's right. um, some, some, some equivalent. We'll sort uh, it out we, for we did it about, Yeah, we'll sort, we'll, sort, yeah we'll sort something out. It won't be this year, yeah. it seems. No, sadly not. No, Obviously, we we haven't got any country footy to watch. You, you're touching on um, getting involved coaching and that being a bit deflating when that went away. Uh, are you are you watching much AFL, or is it is it something you've watched a lot of, or are you getting back into it? What's the go there? I, I mean, I, I 
I always know what's going on, but I, I actually find it harder to sit down and watch a full match. Um, I barrack for Richmond, but I don't sort of, I'm not one of those supporters who have to watch every minute of my team's match. Yep. I'll often watch a half, and then I've got something else to do. Or, or I'll, increasingly, I'll lose interest. I must admit, I'm getting, I'm, you know, I shouldn't say it, but I'm in the camp that's getting bored watching AFL footy. Mm. And that's been going on for a long time. Just the prescribed nature of it, the uh, mm. coaches sort of restricting everything. The, the low scores are ridiculous. I, I just, uh, I'm not full. I haven't fallen out of love with the game. I just, I just don't like the game as it is now at the AFL level. Um, and it's probably a bit of personal stuff. I'm getting older. I've got a lot of you know, your interests broaden as you get older. Mm. They change, of course. Um, I still love footy, but there's many other things. So footy yeah. doesn't. AFL games don't hold my attention like they used to. You're not alone. A lot of the older players, old, older than you and me, mate, but a lot of the older, older players, they, they um, if we go back to like the, the Alex Jeselenkos and John Nichols and, and a lot of guys that I've interviewed from that era, it's the same thing. You know? There's a lot that just, and it's not just footy's better in my day, it's just that it's been over, over-coached, over-administrated. Like there was one contest in the Fremantle-Collingwood game early in the game, that five player um, went against Darcy Moore and it was just this one-on-one battle for the ball. I thought, and everyone in the commentary box were getting excited by it. I thought, geez, this is what used to happen every week. You'd have one-on-one going for it and we'd see who was the best man and win. Um, and now <laughs> now we're desperate for one one glimpse of it during a game. Yeah, there's zone defences and team defences and... um. Mm. Those, I'm generally very wary of this reactionary thing of saying things were better in my day. Mm. And just, my mother's not going to listen to this, so I can <laughs> have a go, but just even listen to my mother saying the young people, what are they doing during this coronavirus? I don't care. And I just said, Mum, that's young people. But since since, since ever, there's been young people. Yeah. Um, they think about themselves, perhaps, and they don't, as you get older, you learn to consider others and, so that's a new thing. So I'm wary about people saying things were better in my day. Mm. But I think I think I, AFL footy was certainly more watchable um, in the 80s and 90s. Because there was those... I mean, I've been listening to that podcast uh, 1993, the season it was, which is amazing. Yep. Three yep. blokes kicking 100 goals in the one season. Uh, Gary Ablett kicking 132 from 17 games or something ridiculous. Uh, he, he, he kicked... Ten goals eight times or something for that year. No, eight goals <laughs> mm. ten. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, that's just that is just unimaginable now. So there was mm. that. Uh, so I, I I'm always hold myself back from saying things were better when I was young, but I just find footy less watchable now than I did several years ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the books I'm working on at the moment is Peter Hudson's story and you're reading the newspaper articles of that <laughs> it's, if he has seven he's had a he's had a very quiet day so it's a, it's a very he's different the most, he's, the most, he's the most prolific ever I think 5.94 yeah. per game goals per game was his average Amazing. over a long uh, is that right Dan you probably know more than that yeah 5.64 uh, 5. yeah over um, he played well, VFL games, he played 129, I think it was. And, yeah, so 700-odd goals in that time. So, yeah, to, and and obviously the pinnacle was 150 in a season. So it's, it's a, that's three seasons' work for some guys today. I, I can't ever remember seeing him play live. So I'm 54. So 
my footy consciousness arose in, in 1972, I remember, so I was six. Mm-hmm. So I can't remember ever seeing Peter Hudson live. He, he actually did his knee in the first round in 72, didn't he? And he came back, he came back for that game where he kicked eight goals yeah, after yep. getting out of a helicopter. Yeah. And then he had a full season again in about 77. But just what he, and he's a lovely bloke. Um, I met him a couple of times. And speaking of Tassie people about Peter Hudson, I actually went to, I went to the, to the footy at New Norfolk one day. New Norfolk's about 50 k's up the Derwent mm-hmm. River from Hobart. Yep. New, Norfolk, New Norfolk always had a team in the uh, TFL, the old Tasmanian Footy League. There was six teams, and New Norfolk was sort of the out-of-town team, if you like. Mm. And Hutto, that's where he played. That's, he, played, he grew up playing at New Norfolk. And I yep. got there and I said, well, where did Hutto grow up? And we're driving into the ground. I said, there. <laughs> but he, he lived from the kitchen. He just looked out over the ground. He actually grew up. <laughs> their house was basically next to the social club. It was, uh, he grew up, his father Bob was a, a local policeman, was the local policeman. And Hutto had various protectors when he was 16, kicking goals. But he was just an artist. He couldn't run. Yeah. You know, unfastable. He wouldn't get he wouldn't get drafted there because his bum was too big and he wasn't rangy enough. But um, yeah. just the ultimate football genius, I would suggest, just the, the way he knew where the ball was going before everyone else did. And and to, to jog out in his rather unfashionable gait every game and kick five and a half, an average of five and a half goals a game, like it, it's it's amazing. In shocking conditions, too. Mm. Yeah, like the ground. <laughs> yes, it's very. Uh, Barry, yeah, I remember them. Barry, uh, I said to my kids, I said, Mate, you've never played on a muddy ground. I said, oh, here yeah, we have. <laughs> Actually, you haven't. Um, all the dra- grounds are perfectly drained now. So that's another thing. I'm not saying that things were better in my day in that regard. but um, no, of course. <laughs> Barry, Richardson, Barry Richardson kept Hutto. Go- Is the only bloke who kept Hutto, Hutto goalless? Is that right, Dan? Uh, the first one, there was three, yeah. And, and one in Tassie. Three and one in Tassie. So, yeah, four, yeah. Barry Richardson grew up in Barnawatha, which is just out of Wodonga on a farm. And uh, I've actually been writing about that area in recent months. When, when I, after I've written particular things, I like to send them to the people, what I've written mm. to the people I've interviewed. So that's a very non-newspaper thing. In newspapers, you're not supposed to show who you've interviewed the finished product because they might want to change things or pull out. Or whatever. I, I always do because yeah, um, even if they disagree with you, just start the discussion and... I don't mind changing things to uh, after a discussion, and they start. It's often a prompt for storytelling. Like they'll tell you more things they've forgotten to t- tell you about originally, and and you pick up mistakes. Mm. The idea of doing it, yeah. Um, but I set out these particular chapters. I'm writing about the Sandy Creek Oval. So the Sandy Creek is the only dedicated finals venue in footy that I know. It's about 50 k's out of Wodonga. There's a creek ground that's unused all season. Then they just use it for the finals. So. Wow. Uh, Unusual situation, great setting. It's a beautiful part of where well, you're in South Gippsland, Dan. It's a very beautiful part, but it's, it's actually like that, that region out of Wodonga, between Wodonga and the mountains. It's green, rolling, and then there's Sandy Creek Oval. And uh, every grand final there I've said since 1971. I sent the chapters out to a guy before I sent them to the 10 others. And he says, no, look, I was at the 1976 grand final was at Martin Park in Madonga. So one of the whole premises of my piece was, what an idiot. Uh, who's this guy? Because <laughs> he's, he's, he's said that all grand finals since 1971 have been at Sandy Creek, but it turned out it's 1978. So there's a major thing that's been picked up in the process of yeah. 
sending to someone, and because uh, because you can't go to the state library at the moment, I couldn't check mm. back issues yeah. of newspapers to check some things, which is a shame. I've sort of haven't got that much time to do it anyway. But I mean, that's what I suppose that's one way the lockdowns affected me. You can't go to the state library to check things. Yeah, uh, on get go through the old newspapers. So um, anyway, I don't know how I started talking about Sandy Creek. Oh, Barry Richardson, his cousin <laughs> Des was um. Played two against Wodonga and coached Kiwa Sandy Creek for many years. And Kiwa Sandy Creek are one of the stronger clubs in that comp, which is the Kalangida and District League. Who play all their games at Sandy Creek, and it's a fantastic little quirk that they do that. And it's like a little carnival every every uh, every final series is like a carnival. So it's a great idea, actually. It's well, it's well worth it. Yeah, wow. Hmm. Yeah. I, I know, Omeo. Omeo District used to do something similar, not for as long, obviously, but um, when Ensay went, sorry, when Ensay left the league, um, I think it was in the nineties. Yeah, they um, used Ensay's ground as a yeah, sorry, you ninety four. Yeah, yeah. So they used Ensay's ground as a pure finals venue up until a few years back. Uh, just a, it wasn't suitable enough anymore. But yeah, obviously Sandy, uh, the one you're talking about uh, is going a bit longer than Ensay was. Yes, and. It, it, I mean, there's there's a danger of it. Some of the clubs started to kick up a stink ten years ago. They said the grounds are good enough. We want to play in Wodonga where the facilities are better. And there was a big conflagration between one of the coaches and the former president of the league. And um, you know, the, the decision was made to stick with the oval, but just make it better. And now it's, it's like a carpet. You could play you could you could play AFL games there. The surface is so good. Yeah. So they made the decision to improve the ground, whereas at inside they just said, oh. Yeah. Oh. I went to I went to NSA last year, mate. It's uh, <laughs> definitely not carpet. I can tell you that much. I said once there was sheep grazing on it, so uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not surprised early, at all. It was early early in the season. I must admit they did play. That, was, that would have been 2002. I think they were going to play finals there later that year. Yeah, it's only in recent years. But I went to Sandy. I went to Sandy Creek in September, the week after I saw you blokes at Garfield. Mm. Um, so that's the sort of thing. Uh, I went to the West Gippsland, West Gippsland League Grand Final, and the, the ground is actually one of the stories. It's a big part yeah. of it. I actually started writing that chapter this week. Um, well, I, mean, I imagine Garfield historically would have been like a. I was going to say cow paddock. Can't say that. Uh, <laughs> you were running out up to, up to your shins in mud. It would have been a very wet. Well, it's a wet part of the world. It would have been very yeah. wet a lot of the time. But yeah. And that, that grand final last year was a wet day. The surface was just magnificent. The yeah, it was. grounds have changed, and they've they put a lot of... I've got to find out. I'm not sure who to ring. Perhaps I can ask you both. But <laughs> when was the decision made to upgrade the ground? I'm sure it cost a lot of money, but it's, the story of that gar, ground at Garfield is quite a good story. Um, the Cooley Rupp Secretary of many years, Gary, is it Gary Brown? Uh, uh, not sure off the top of my head. Sorry, mate. Anyway, he's... he's He's a great man of football. Um, he told me there's been a lot of money put into Cooley-Rupp and to Garfield, and they've mm. really developed those two particular grounds, all the facilities, uh, the surface of the ground itself. So that's quite interesting, that, actually. Um, and the ground certainly held up on what was, what was a wet day last year, and there was a, a close match, as you know, four points, I think, from memory, was the resolving uh, favour of Phil Island. And we... Yeah. Sorry, we'd be starting to get excited for finals time now if if we were running a normal season. And how do you think, Paul? How do you think um, the effect has been on local communities with with so much 
with no action basically for a whole season. How do you think that's? I know from living in Lingatha, a small country town, that you know it's it's the heart and soul of the of the community is your local footy team and you you get excited for the Saturdays and certainly this time of year when finals are coming up but netballs as well everything's going on so a lot of community action is happening around the footy and netball clubs so having given you've probably visited all of them in the state uh, how, how do you think how do you think it's affected communities in that sense I, look, I haven't visited every ground in the state at all. But, uh, <laughs> must be one the, that you um, haven't got to yeah. <laughs> the, I've never actually been to a game at Leangatha. I know I've been to the ground, but I've never been to a game. But um, I mean, I, we're all isolated, but a lot of people, especially those who live on their own, be feeling extremely isolated now. You probably realise the, 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 even more so, we're all new, but even more so they realise the, the social glue that the football and netball every Saturday provides. Mm. Uh, some people think, oh, you know, gone a season without footy and it wasn't too bad, I might just stay away now. So there were some people that just drift away from the game, I reckon. Mm. But the, the vast majority will will return to it and, and probably appreciate it more. I do think the economic fallout, I mean, I'm just starting to realise just how badly this is going to affect me personally and a lot of people for a long time, and that must affect footy clubs. If there's less money around, there'd be less fewer footballers willing to travel. Basically, country foot, perhaps not so much in West Gippsland where there's a lot of people. Mm. Country, country football survives basically because of a motor car. People driving every Saturday to get to games. And some, some of them are a long way. And they wouldn't do it unless they were being paid a certain amount of money. Well, they, they, they might. Uh, and if there's less money around, there might be fewer travellers. Because there's some... some all towns, not even towns, still managed to field four footy teams and three netball teams every Saturday, and people driving from all over the place to do it. That, mm. that might not, if there's less money or less inclination, some of those small clubs might end up folding. Yeah. But I don't, I don't want to be a prophet of doom there. Some of them might just survive quite fine. We're not sure. I got a friend, Bill Trail, who's now 85. He's played footy in East Gippsland for many years, then he ended up in Wodonga. But you know, these old guys are great fonts of knowledge, and Bill reckons this would be like the depression. Like the depression caused a shakeout in footy all over the state. Yeah. Um, and this is not exactly the same as a depression, but this might cause a little shakeout. Um, mm. There's already a lot going on in, in your area in terms of the structures of leagues, etc. But um, it's hard to it's hard to know what will happen. I think few, a few people will drift away. Most people will come back more excited and more appreciative than they were, say, last year. You speak about um, people driving to games. Uh, there's a there's a great ground at the top. If you, if you ever get the time to go for a nice scenic drive, there's a there's a place, the town, or it's I guess it's still a town, but. Um, not much happens there now, I don't think. But Currajung at the top of uh, high up in the mountains, up past um, Yarram, and, and then you just keep driving, and you probably go another forty-five minutes or something, and you get to the top of this mountain, and it literally is <laughs> perched on top. And there's this old ground, and it's still got the great. The gates must have cost a fortune back in the day, but the ground's still there. And they used to joke that you'd kick the ball, and then you'd have to. It it'd end up. You know, forty-five minutes down the hill in Yarram because there's a bit of a drop-off on on one wing. But but there, but there's some great stories from back in the very early days of the Alberton Footy League, Footy Association, where 
Uh, the the only way they'd get into Yarram for a game would be to all jump on the back of a of a you know an open back trailer of a ute of a truck and. Uh, middle of the snowing season and, and make your way down to, to Yarram and you just had to be at a certain place at a certain time and jump on and that was your, that was how you got out of the out of the town for the weekend Gosh, I've never uh, <laughs> I reckon I I reckon I've heard of the Carajong Footy Club I didn't know it was such a, a scenic and sounds magnificent you just like to play for a club called Carajong it's just a good name anyway isn't it oh, yeah. uh, I'll, have, I'll have to have a look one day Dan I might pick you up on the way yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Bring it. Bring an open back truck, and we'll get Owen as well, and we'll make our way up there. Can be part of our end of season trip next year. Yeah, well, it's starting. It's starting to form, isn't it? Um, <laughs> the ideas are coming together. There is a book on unused grounds and the tales of what used to happen. Yeah, there's a lot of them. I mean, Carajong's one. I mean, you could probably name a few others without trying too hard. Uh, wherever you live, wherever you live. Yeah. Yeah, there's even a couple just down the Alberton area. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So you could go to every league and there'd be a few. I've, I've, I've had a, a large part of oh, that, that book you mentioned before, Dan, the totem poles of Oyen United. Don't say Oyen if you're going up that way. Oh, um, sorry. <laughs> basically, uh, a local fellow, Michael Boozer-Robertson, he offered to take me on a tour of all the unused grounds, like all these clubs that had died in the Mallee. Mm. That's right, eh? and it, it was just fascinating. Boozer's stories passed on to him by his father. Um, it's ba- it basically got a history of the region just by doing uh, in, just in one day. That's a great idea. Four hours. Boozer just took me around to Tempe and Goya and Patchewalik and um, Nunga, Taija, Kiamal, all these places no one's ever heard of. And once yeah. they once had thriving footy grounds, and the, the, right. the grounds are still there, but all, all that remains is really the stories. Um, That's a great idea. Yeah, state, so, state tour of uh, all the all the the deceased footy grounds would be quite fascinating. There's, I mean, there's one just down from Karajung, um, the old Wanron footy ground, and uh, not mm. far from there was the old the old prison. That's a cow it paddock wasn't now, far isn't from it? there. It is a cow paddock, yeah. But again. You just you, you, literally, you, well, yeah, you literally. can, yeah. But you can walk. It's still got a bit of the railing up and a bit of that. You can, you get the sense of history just by wandering. I've done it for a couple of the grounds in the area that no longer used, and that's that's one of them. The train line went right past there, and the prison wasn't far from there. And they'd actually wrote prisoners prisoners in to come and play on the Saturday. They got a bit of leave to come down and play. I remember Dad played against. <laughs> yeah, it's true, and Dad. Um, Dad played against. Uh, Dad, my family played for Stony Creek Footy Club, and they. He, he, I think he was full back this day, and he, he outmarked this guy, or he, you know, he spoiled the ball or something. And the guy turned around to him, and he was a prisoner, and he turned around to Dad and said, "If you do that again, <laughs> you will not be walking off this ground." I don't think Dad got another touch after that, but. <laughs> uh, but that's they're the sort of stories, aren't they? Sounds a bit hairy, but that, I, I, that, well, just. Everything becomes a conversation starter, mm. but uh, I got an email a few months, no, it's only about six weeks ago, actually, from a guy who, from Ararat. Now, there's a prison at Ararat, mm. and some of those players used to um, play for the local, in the local club, the old Ararat District Footy Association, which folded in 1999. Um, but a thriving comp for many years, and then it just 
But um, the, in, as recently as the 90s, the mid-90s, the best and fairest in the comp was a prisoner. He used to come out every... <laughs> We let out to play footy every Saturday. He ended up being best and fairest. So he obviously wasn't threatening people like your father, Dan. He was, he was trying to get the ball. But some of them some of them weren't so fair, apparently. They were quite uh, going their own sort of justice on the outside, <laughs> on, on, the, on the footy field. But there are many One stories of our... Uh, prisoner Beechworth as well. There's a few prisoners that played Beechworth, I think. Yeah, right. Well, there's one even... Um, where'd they play it? This guy... I think he won the goal kicking from Wanron this one year. He must have kicked a bunch of goals. And he he was on leave for a game. And he must have been... There must have been the day they awarded him the medal and it was at a final or something. And he's as he's done the lap, he had to do a lap of honour at this ground. It might have been Tura. And he's got halfway around and, and he's just ducked out the back behind the car and did a runner. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's apparently a true story. So, Pretty cool. I don't know. I don't know. That's worth looking into. There's there's a project for you, but um, yeah. So some great, and that's just our little league down here. The 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 sadly dying Albert and Footy League, but mm. um, but yeah, you would uh, probably everyone down your way knows what's going on. I, I haven't returned to it for a while. It's not official. It's folding, is it? But the, the juniors are playing in the uh, mid Gippsland League. Is that right? Uh, that was on the cards uh, at. After that announcement, it since uh, went kaput essentially. So yeah, they they were trying to get a mid Gippsland Alberton combined league in the juniors, and then they decided that due to COVID reasons they wouldn't move forward with that. So um, yeah, that we're still sort of awaiting what's going to happen at a at a uh, across all levels at the moment. So they're currently in discussions. There's a few sort of disgruntled mid Gippsland clubs that are sort of looking at other areas at the moment so that's going to the allies or the four wheel drives that which are colloquially known as um i was having a chat to the the ex-president uh a couple of days ago and they've just sort of quietly gone into the night as well most people down the area will know that they're now folded for good um and nothing really sort of came out of that like they sort of went into recess and they said um yeah we plan to come back and no that just hasn't come into fruition so as far as i'm aware the social club still exists but uh yeah as a footy club they are no more Hmm. really okay well i haven't been to the footy there down either but uh i I do understand that Devin wellspool wasn't it and uh one on woodside they're on opposite sides of yarram they're sort of based all around yarram so it it was a strange setup originally they were very successful when it first happened. It was the late 90s, I remember. Yep. Um, but they battled in recent years, haven't they? Yeah. That, look, you, you, you're in the most volatile area in Australia, almost, in Australian football. Uh, I, I can't see any how it can be any different than this constant where a club's going to play. Because the population, especially close to Melbourne, uh, it's booming. So yeah. what, 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 what might have been a good league set up 20 years ago or even five years ago it just doesn't work after a while so part of the reason what i do is i'm 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 a bit of a demographics nerd i suppose um you know population shifts and things like that are big considerations in country footy and the population is so volatile especially in that west Gippsland region that i don't see how they can ever get it right get it right unless there's a complete overhaul every three years or they go to a multi-division system which is what 
everyone resists, but it just makes the most sense to me. Yeah. Um, that's not a popular view at all. But just for that particular region, West Gippsland, maybe South Gippsland, and clubs, the Alberton clubs who basically wanted to get closer to Melbourne, those well, at the western end of the Alberton League have sort of gone to other leagues and left only six. Uh, and I can only, that, that process will only continue. Um, yeah, well, that, so yeah. I know they're, I know they're wondering what they've been writing reports and reports about what to do. Um, but I, I can't see how it can be any different as long as the population is changing as quickly and as much as it, it has done or will continue to do. Yeah, and Alberton was the the centre of the um, of that league for so long, and it, my my family originated from there back in the eighteen hundreds, and some of the early settlers there were my family, and that was the real starting point of 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 footy in the area, I guess, because it was one of the first areas opened up when they had a port there at Port Albert and started before they even really got all the roads happening, and that was where it really started. And then the train line came in, and that opened it up a bit more. But but all your all your people that grew up off the land, and you know, you had all your farmers' sons, and then next door neighbours, and you know, everyone from the area stayed in the area and kept playing all the way through their lives and it's yeah you're right the gradual shifting away from that as a society uh, you know there's not as many people on the land down there now and it's just a completely different thing and, and I guess for a young person going to Melbourne's almost your your coming out stage after after school so you're right it's it's, it's gradually over the last couple of decades or even a little bit longer just pushed its way out from there and it's yeah it's amazing someone like a tourer has survived as long as they have and um yeah but you're right it's it's only a matter of time which is really sad how how long has the Alberton league been going i've heard different yeah well the well the league when it was actually called league was uh uh, just straight after the war, 46, but before then it was association and it was in different forms, I think, going back to... uh, Yeah, well, Stony Creek started in, I reckon, the 1890s, so you're going back to the start of the century, really, for last century, for for when teams started playing organised games in the Alberton area and it's gradually evolved and teams moved to different leagues but the actual I guess 1946 is the the one we probably know more of today um, yep. in terms of in terms of the layout and the teams that are in it but yeah certainly footy in the region from around the 1900s so it's yeah it's a huge shift. So Port, Port, Port Al- it was, Alberton is a place near Port yep. is a town near mm. Port Albert is that right? Yeah. It's a one shop town now yeah one pub town and in between Port Albert and Yarram so it's um, but that was the the epicenter, and yeah, the sort of moved out from there, went to Devon North type area, and then pushed further on to Stony Creek and all that, and then obviously uh, Woodside, Woodside to the east, and and Currajung for a couple of years to the to the north. But yeah, it's yeah the last couple of decades when when Devon merged, I guess that was the real killer, wasn't it? You started to lose identities. Yep. Uh, I, I, I was thinking Karajong is spelled as the tree, K U W R A Jong, but it's, it's actually, I've just looked it up, it's C A W R A J J U N G. I couldn't find it. Yeah. I need oh. to find. Uh, I need to find the photo, mate, and I'll send it to you. The last <laughs> time I was up there at the ground, it's a picturesque spot, but just 
a challenge to get to, <laughs> a challenge to get to, and it wouldn't have been fun playing away games or or having to trek up there for a fourth game in, in the snow in the first thing in the morning. <laughs> Gosh, I've been to the ground. What's what's the old mining town? Um, well, uh, Walhalla. Well, Walhalla. Is it like that ground? Like been that. I haven't actually. Mum, mum says it's stunning, so I need to go and have a look at it. I haven't seen it. They've started to play cricket back on the ground. Ever? Yeah, yeah mm. it's on top of a hill, and like I don't know if you hit a six, the ball would just keep going for kilometres. <laughs> <but, uh, laughs> maybe that was what, what the case was at Carrigong as well. It sounds like the ground was on top of a yeah, on top of a hill. I think of um, as you're driving from the Western Highway up to Dalesford, you go through a place called Coinjibura, and they had a they had a footy club for I think fold in the eighties, but it's just surrounded by these enormous trees, like the biggest trees you've ever seen. And then there's this ground, so it's not on the top of a hill; it's actually in a bit of a valley, in a very hilly area. Yeah. Just the trees. So uh, that's sort of the image I've got in mind of Carrigong, sort of the Quinji Burra type setup near Dalesford. Yeah, right. Well, there you go. One to check out. Yeah, it's fascinating. I, I love doing that. You just drive past and some people have interest in train stations or whatever it might be that they, they go and look at, but uh, mine's always been the footy ground like yours, Paul, so um, you've got me thinking now. I might have to get in the car again when we're allowed to go for a bit of a look around. Yeah, the, 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 the footy ground, the pub, and some people go to the library. That's a good way to get the feel of any town. Yeah, true. That's the way, uh, that's the way I work anyway. Yep. <laughs> In that order? Uh, in that order, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Library be I'd first. Maybe, maybe pub before, pub, <laughs> then check out the footy ground. Library's probably third, but I've been to a few libraries as well. Yeah, yeah. To check out the local history section of a lot of libraries and see what people come up with. Yeah. Some of those local books are really good. You should do a history of the Alberton League while it's... Uh, has one been done then? No, it hasn't. I did start a couple of... Oh, probably six years ago but um money money was proving more um worthwhile focusing on (laughs) yeah yeah i probably there was more chance of getting some uh some income and from uh, doing some afl stories but it's something that still uh twigs away at me mate so i might have to study your books to get an insight into how to do that more on a more local level because uh you've been quite successful in what you've done and um, for some very popular stories. Really. I'm not a rich man, Dan. I've got to warn you. <laughs> no, but our success is our in our in the pride in our work. <laughs> money, money, money is an issue for any writer, and um, yeah. you know, re- really, I should move on to something else where uh, hopefully we can sell more. But um, anyway, that's something they decide to decide down the track. Well, I'm pretty sure. Um, be quite a few bookshelves throughout the country Victoria that have got one of your books mate just just tell us before we let you go just tell us what your latest book can you give us an insight into what your latest book's actually about oh yeah look it's just um, based on the travels we did last year um, so the, the previous one was based on yes there's a, a couple of excursions to Oyen to write about all those unused grounds around the Mallee yep. but I went to other, like I did something like a week in Ballara and Merby North um, went so I wrote about the Mid-Gippsland and the resistance to change, basically, mm. amongst his administrators there. I noticed that Charlie and Stan and those guys are not uh, running the um, Mid-Gippsland League anymore, so no. there's been a bit of a change since I wrote that. That was 2018 I was there. Yeah. 
So last season, the main, the, there's four main sections. A profile of Adam Dowie, who's a coach for Hamden League clubs around Warrnambool, all of the premierships. Sandy Creek, weekend at Sandy, at Sandy Creek, writing about the ground. And the final weekend, I went to Nathalia, got a friend from Nathalia, so I always followed them pretty closely. So we did the Murray League Grand Final on the Saturday and the Goulburn Valley League Grand Final on the Sunday. So Nathalia won 10 of the last 15 flags, one of the smallest towns in that comp, so how do they do that? Yep. Kyburn won 62 games in a row, and they've historically not been particularly successful in the Golden Valley League. So how did that happen? So they're the four main things. And uh, um, West Gippsland Grand Final, Good to see Coral in. That's a mm. another club that punches far above mm. its weight, considering yep. they're not even a town. Oh, I went to a game, saw a char- very impressed with a Charlton coach. Went to Ballarat final, see Sebastopol's first final for 20 years. Um, so that's pretty loaded. Yeah. Is that so? That's pretty loaded. Yeah, yeah, there's, yeah, yeah there's, a, there's a lot going on, so it's taking me longer than I hoped, but. Um, so yeah, so basically go to the footy and then base a series of essays around that day at the footy, and um, what I find and the, the history or the points of interest that I find, and um, and then try to write it up as best as I as I can. Brilliant, mate. Uh, have you have you have you ever been to Fish Creek? They're they're one of the you talk about a team that's punched above its yeah. Its, well, <laughs> they, they didn't win last year, which is unusual. Um, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I've been to the ground. I've never, again, I haven't been to a game there. But amazing, just an amazing record. We talk about the Port Adelaide's and that in the in the AFL or the Sandful, and, uh, and in terms of premierships won and achievements uh, on a country on a regional level, for Fish Creek's uh, right near the top of the tree for what they've been able to achieve over the decades. Yeah, there's one guy who played at ten premierships with Fish Creek, and he retired at twenty eight. So that's not a bad. Uh... <laughs> In the, this is in the fifties, and that's the first. That's the first time I heard of Courage, and I was still playing. Yeah, uh, in those days, I think. Yeah, mm. I did look up. Yeah. yeah, did look up the scores when the Fish Creek run started in about fifty-two, I think. Yep. Um, they Courage on by forty goals, so you know, that was that was about <laughs> the end of them. Uh, they've just had a yeah. Talk about kids growing up in. Families that have stayed on through generations, and uh, they used to have the butter factory there, which was a big uh, selling point for offering jobs. And the way they've been able to do it over decades, keep regenerating themselves, is they're they're one of the great stories as well. Uh, yeah, yeah, um, park, the, the park boys were. Yeah, yeah, mm. and there's the McGannons, and there's the. Uh, one of the great stalwarts, Jack Charlton, passed away recent uh, a couple of years ago, but mm. he was um, he was still writing footy stories for the local paper up until his death. Pretty much, he was uh, yeah, he was a legend of the town. Yeah, um, hey, Andy Kerr's the guy I'm thinking of. Yep, yep. So eleven flags between 1955 and 1967. So <laughs> that's eleven flags in 13 years, and then he said, oh, "That's enough of time." <laughs> <laughs> Jack Bag played in eleven yep. flags of Fish Creek as well from nineteen forty six to sixty one. Stan Barr played in ten. Yeah, they, they especially in that era they won. They didn't always win flags. They went about twenty years at one stage without winning one, I think, didn't they? In the eighties or the nineties. Yeah, and then they then they had a couple in a row and they yeah, regenerated again. But yeah, it's a remarkable club really. But, um, but you get to experience that wherever you go, which must be a rather enjoyable side to it. Getting to delve into the 
into the stories of as you say with the grounds or with great teams to actually hear it from the people and get taken on tours and things like that it's a pretty pretty uh cool way to uh, spend your days oh yes i, I like to that, that that premiership that fish creek won which wasn't official yes. 1953 i think uh right. so, so people have written about it but i like to write about it at length i can't i forget what happened but it was <laughs> yeah there's it's yeah the if you go to the fish creek rooms and i haven't can't, uh, I haven't clearly got the full story in, in my head, but it, it's against Minion and both teams, I think, claim that they won it, but Fish Creek has the actual scorecard in there. Um, yes, yes, I did. Yeah, yes, yes. The, um, I have seen it. I may even have a photo of it. If I find it, I'll send it to you, but uh, I remember going there a few years ago and they had it behind the glass there and it, it did. You know, it was a bit of a mess from memory. It was a bit of, you could see how they could get it confused. I think there was a few cross-outs and a few different things. But, um, yeah, that still, that still touches a touches a raw nerve with Minion people today, how they lost that game. I can't quite remember the details of it. I'm sure you can Google something about it. But, um, yeah, it was to do with scoring at the end anyway. Yeah, there's a goal on part of Cameron Noakes actually wrote a piece in the Sunday Age about it. And the would have been about two thousand and two. Yeah. Uh, Ray McGannon, he played in about seven. There we go, another name. Yep, uh, yeah. that's a famous. That's a famous Fish Creek name as well. Terry Mackin played in seven, I think. I've got a premiership list. Anyone who's played in six or more flags in oh, country yeah, right. footy, so it's, it's, I've just called it up. John Ryan. Yes, I've interviewed John years a long time ago. Yeah, he played for Collins as well, I think, but um. 56 to 67, then one at Rapanyip in the middle of 61. I think he went there as a teacher. Yeah. He went home. So Rapanyip's, that might have been their only flag in the Wimmera League, I think. Um, so a famous one up that way. So John Ryan is actually credited with uh, inspiring that Rapanyip flag. So he's not only famous around South Gippsland, he's uh, a key wow. figure for a short time in the Wimmera League. Brilliant. Hey, we could, uh, we could probably talk to you all day, Paul, mm. but... Um we better let you go. We promised you we'd keep you for 15 minutes. I think we've kept you for 40, and we could probably do another two hours. So we, we may get you back on at some point, mate, if that's all right. Yeah, well, yeah, sorry, I talk too much. No, that's the <laughs> thing. It's, it's all fascinating, and the, all our local listeners will be uh, fascinated in hearing some of those stories and looking out for your next book. But uh, in the meantime, make sure you get your hands on, and I hope I said this right, The Totem Pose of Owen, Owen United. <laughs> Oyun, yeah, that's right. The totem poles of Oyun United travels well in country then, footy. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> oh. We'll see you at Kojong for our end of season bash. Definitely, definitely sounds good. Thanks, uh, Paul Daffy. Thanks for joining us on any given Monday. Thanks, Paul. Thank you. Thank you. Beautiful. Uh, that was fantastic having Paul on to delve into the local footy and. Uh, as I said, we could talk for a couple of hours because so many great stories. But he said he was a Richmond man. We should have asked him about the Richmond game, but we'll, uh, we might just go over the, the AFL games. There's a few blowouts on the weekend, wasn't there? Yeah. Uh, oh, but um, go back. The, the round actually did start on a Wednesday this this week. It was Richmond 13-12-90 over the Bulldogs 7-7-49. Uh, the Tigers in control most of the night. and. Yep. 
doggies were a bit disappointing. Do you have any thoughts on that one, mate? Yeah, look at that. That was the the first day of their twenty day block, so um, yeah, possibly the beginning of uh, the end of my friendship with my wife. But uh, <laughs> yeah, as you say, Richmond were in control for most of the night, and uh, the Tigers are getting to their best, aren't they? They're, they're looking pretty good. Dusty's looking pretty good now. He's starting to get back to his best, and dogs they just made the dogs look scrappy, I think, and. Yeah, it wasn't wasn't good news for doggy supporters. They they probably would have expected a bit more out of that game. I would have thought. Yep, fair call, Maddie Dunn. I know the the man at Paper News uh, just wanted us, wanted us to pretend that the dogs game didn't happen on the weekend. <laughs> so I'm glad he was able to turn it on against my club the week before and then turn it <laughs> off against the Tigers. Thanks for that, Maddie. Uh, yeah. Moving on to the next one, Port Adelaide, twelve eleven eighty three. Um, if anyone challenges my Bombers for the worst performance of the round, it would have to be Melbourne, who kicked 4-8-32. Mm. Did you see this game, and, and what did you think? I expected, uh, I think a lot of us expected a lot closer contest or, yeah. or, or or some fight from the Ds. I've got some words to quote in a second, but just what were your <laughs> thoughts on, on that game? Is one of those words dynacism? That, that was the one that uh, BT tried to coin, I think, at some stage, Ooh, and it's not, yeah. a, not a real word. Uh, we won't get too much into <laughs> that. <laughs> There's too many people that don't like BT. Um, yeah, Melbourne's disposal and their forward 50 entries just diabolical was the word I I think I coined uh, to to describe their effort and just a lack of effort all, all round. They just looked flat, the Ds, and Port just did what they wanted. Um Good uh, young players for for Port also stood up as well. So Mitch Georgiades stood up with a couple of goals, only an eighteen year old bloke, and I think he had three at the end of the. He could have finished with four or five, I think. And Carl Amon, who's been on the list uh, for Port for quite some time, he's he probably played the the game of his life on on Thursday. So yeah, um, I, I think uh, some D's supporters have sort of backed off on their Protraka being the next Dusty because he, <laughs> while he tried hard, it wasn't Dusty esque. So and yeah, Melbourne, yeah, back to the drawing board for them again. And this is what I, I actually like. A few few people weren't happy with this, but I actually like this. This is Melbourne chairman. Um, Glenn Bartlett after the game he said um, hang on I've got to find what he said when you pull on he called it disgraceful effort and he said that when you pull on a Melbourne jumper you don't give them out we don't give them out in Wheaties packets you have to show respect for the jumper and and for the fans and apart from a few blokes in that game it was an insipid performance it wasn't Melbourne like and it won't be tolerated that's pretty it's as strong as it gets saying a few of your blokes didn't have a crack on the weekend. I mean, usually chairmans don't, um, you know, maybe, maybe Koshy at Port Adelaide, but most don't have a crack at the playing side of things publicly. They might have a crack inside the, the walls of the club, but they don't usually tee off publicly. So I think he's really, I would assume, I don't know much about Glenn Bartlett, but I imagine that was a calculated, passionate expression, but also a chance to say, Righto, you're all being put on notice. Here's your chance to respond, and and this shows that we're we're not going to settle for these sort of losses anymore. So I think it was a good thing, but you know, I guess it'll be a test of their character to see whether they respond to it in the right way or they take it to heart and it ruins their season. Yeah, if you put those uh, words in context or in hindsight, uh, what does that say for Simon Goodwin's future? Uh, there's a there's a few out there on social media that are 
kind of saying, well, you've had a few years at the helm now. We're not seeing improvements since, what was it, 2018 they played finals? I'm, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, um, and then just fell away last year. Yeah, yeah. so um, look, um, Goody's got a, a big job on his hands now and we've talked about the bottleneck in, in the top eight uh, with all the top teams vying for those spots and Melbourne want to be one of those teams, but right now they're, they're too hit and miss to be one of those teams, I think. Yep, it's been the tail of the tape for way too long for the Doos. They start to taste the taste their own bathwater and then things turn pear-shaped because they aren't able to cons- consistently maintain it for long enough season after season like great teams can. So that's the that's the challenge. If Goody turns them around later in this season, no issues. But if they continue on with that sort of performance, you might be right. We might... Uh, might be some real questions asked along later in the season if the D's peter out. Hopefully they can turn it around, but yeah, some pretty bad signs. Um, yeah, I think, Blues um, and the Hawks. I was yeah, just going to say some cheese boards might have been slapped off the arm wires after that game. <laughs> <laughs> Hawthorne, 14 589. Talk about teams that have been under the pump lately. 14 589 defeated the Blues, 9 4 58. I think I actually tipped the Blues in that one, but. Uh, the Hawks, again, just when you think maybe we can write this team off, they go and t- I know Carlton aren't the top team in the league, but they've been playing pretty well. Uh, so that was a pretty impressive display by the Hawks to turn things around. Yeah, we would have been pretty happy with your tip up to quarter time. The, yeah. the Blues were looking pretty good. And then after that, it was all Hawks. So, look, we were talking last week about Clarko. When are we going to talk about Hawthorne in their poor performances? And talking about Clarko potentially trying to divert attention away from them with other things. And Clarko's just Clarko. He, he can just do something and bring out the best in his players. And uh, you have a look, and Tim. Uh, not Tim, Tom Mitchell and uh, James Warple were, were dam- back to their damaging best and uh, Wingard had an influence, which we've been pretty critical of in the past weeks as well, um, saying he has the X factor and he needs to do something. Well, he finally did a few things. Uh, I think for Blues, the Crips was was good early and, and just faded out of the game from all accounts. So, But having said that, there was a bit of a a focus on how much he gets scragged around the contests and that's probably week in week out but uh, obviously there's a few more people trying to get more focus on how Cripps is treated around those stoppages as well yeah fair call um we want to see those guys yeah some of some of the stopping tactics go too far we we want to see the best players just particularly at the moment i mean it's um some games are tough to watch and mm. Obviously, depends what team you you barrack for, and if you barrack for my team, uh, if you're an Essendon fan, you probably uh, you may have you may not have seen the game out because it was. I forced myself to sit to the end, but against mm. the Brisbane Lions, uh, it was a chance to show where the Bombers were at, and uh, they were. Um, how will I say it? They were pathetic in what they offered <laughs> up. We just if we saw the. Saw the pressure level of the Fremantle-Collingwood game and the Dockers mm. just went to a level... I know they have this pressure reading. I don't take much in that. But yeah. if you look at that pressure rating, I think it goes up to 230 is the extreme, the top-notch pressure, or 220. And they were at 231 at one point, <laughs> whatever that means. But they were off the charts, Frio. Um, yeah. And it shows in the way that they were able to upset Collingwood. Essendon, I, I don't know the stats 
later in the game, but it, with three minutes left in the first quarter, the Bombers had laid two tackles. Now, yeah. that if your fourth team did that at local level, you'd be you'd be starting to just give the boys a bit of a razz up. To, to be a senior team, and, and Essendon beat Collingwood by doing what Fremantle did, putting on extreme pressure, but to not to have two tackles for the team in basically a quarter of footy, I don't know what the final stats were, but that, that sets... If ever you're going to jump... If you're ever going to lay tackles, it's going to be in that opening 15 minutes, isn't it? That's when you're, yep. you're most amped up and you're just ready to go, and there might be some mistakes, but at least you're going to put some body on body and lay some tackles. So that instantly told me we're in for a long night because um, if your team isn't bringing that from the start and that's that's where the concern is for me you can say we're missing a few players the Bombers but a lot of teams are missing players at the moment and still finding ways to compete and that was just horrendous but full credit to Brisbane 14-7-91 to the shocking 3-10-28 for the Bombers but um, yeah it just got worse and worse but Brisbane uh, may not have had much opposition, but they were um, premiership material, I guess, in the way they performed. Yeah, um, yeah. Brisbane really sort of prevented Essendon from getting any sort of game that they wanted to play uh, going. Uh, Andy McGrath, again, I thought was quite good. I think he's a future captain there. But having said that, like, he, he does try to lead by example, and that's a big ask for a, for a young bloke. Um, he's only what 21 22 something like that yeah third uh, I, season. I really yeah i really feel essendon's missing heppel uh, i've seen a couple of games where they're when they're not winning there's no one there to sort of get them up and going and go hang on boys we need to stay in this um let's let's get up and going and let's bring the contest to this to this opposing side and I, I haven't seen it in a couple of games where they're just trailing behind um so whether that's uh, an issue or not, I don't know. That's just an observation of mine. Um, Sam Draper was probably a positive out of the night for Essendon. Um, he looks like he's got something, and I dare say he might keep his spot. Uh, but the good news story out of that for mine was uh, Brisbane Sam Skinner. So he's a Moe boy. Uh, t- uh, 1,098 days since his last game. He has He's had three ACLs, so good to see him back. He was named as emergency for a couple of games uh, in the lead into this, and good to see him get a game. And he did a few good things as well, which is nice to see. So he might retain his spot for next week. Very good. And uh, I, don't, I don't take much into the stats in terms of best players and all that, but it's pretty telling when the top nine players in the on the AFL website anyway for the, you know, the... F- uh, fantasy footy stuff. The top nine players yeah. are all Brisbane players. I mean, that tells you that uh, that says something. I think another great. You talk about leadership on field. How good they were very smart when they got Luke Hodge up there a couple of years ago, yeah. and they've been equally as smart in getting Grant Birchall to take his place, haven't they? Absolutely, um, been huge. Very, very smart move, I think. And they were very wary of um, when Hodgie was going to go too. Like they. They knew that getting Hodgie up there was going to pull their backline together, and he was going to be able to direct traffic and pour a bit of uh, pour a bit of leadership into the younger guys there as well, and his wealth of knowledge. So I think that worked really well in that regard. Uh, and Birchall, who, who that, by all accounts is a, a different player to Hodgie, but he's also offering the same sort of knowledge that Hodgie has imparted in the past. So, yeah, good move from Brisbane. Um, Lockie Neal also continu- continues to have a pretty stellar form as well. Yeah, yeah, and just on Birchall, I think he he 
just adds a calm head in the back line, and he really, mm. really misses the target from. He's 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 probably the last survivor, I guess, of that great Hawthorne era where they they were the greatest yeah. kicking team going around, and in a in a season where kicking is very hit and miss, um, he he stands out and. That's pretty important when they're coming out of defence. So he's been huge. And again, Chris Fagan's pulled the right strings there in in getting him to play on for an extra year just to... Well, he might get himself a fifth premiership the way he's going. Brisbane are flying. But um, yeah. one team that isn't flying is Adelaide. And they were <laughs> they were witches' hats on the weekend against... They were. It was 17th first, 18th against North Melbourne. And you would have thought it was first, first, last. North... 19-5-1-19, the highest score for the year, I believe. Um, yeah, I believe so. Over the Crows, 7-8-50. And I think we got a, got to look into how big a job Matthew Nix has got ahead of him because mm. there was times there it was... Yeah, it, it must have been embarrassing to watch. It really, Essendon's was shocking, and I reckon this was maybe even worse. And it was, um, it was hard to watch because it, it was... Mm. <laughs> You've given North blokes some confidence, that's for sure, and great to see Mad Jack Daw back uh, from his, you know, from being in such a bad place to yeah. being probably the hero of the day and kicking a goal and just being instrumental in it. And you just saw how much his teammates loved him. So that was that was a pretty cool. There was a great um, video that was posted online of his wife and his kid yeah. uh, watching Dad on television and celebrating when he kicked that goal. So pretty pretty awesome scenes. Otherwise, a pretty crappy day to be watching footy because <laughs> it wasn't much of a contest, but uh, that, that was one of the highlights of the weekend. Yeah, um, I, I forgot to mention while I was watching... Um Essendon and Brisbane. I also had the Super Rugby, the the Force and the Rebels going on on another screen. I, I, I was finding myself sort of getting drawn to the Super Rugby game because that went into what they call Super Time, is when they're level at full time, they go into a, a sudden death in five minutes. So the Rebels have done that twice, but I won't get into rugby. Um, yeah, as you say, Adelaide. <laughs> what can you say? That was that was like a training draw for North at times, and Adelaide's effort was just non-existent um when you got guys well they're already reporting on one of their top midfielders brad crouch talking about wanting to leave already um and he wanted to leave probably last year as well and just couldn't get the deal he wanted and by all reports he's wanting a fairly large sum of money money to leave as well you'd want to be putting up a a bit better effort to to what they're uh, giving at the moment and as you say maddie nix has got a lot of work ahead like they've said that He's going to be in there to rebuild the club. Well, that's an understatement. They're they're gone. They're they're shot, and you can't really see where their first win is coming, can you? They're they're uh, they, they played some decent footy in the the couple of weeks prior to that. Um, they just don't have the polish, and they don't really have a forward line. Even when Tex is in that side, um, Tex was uh, out of this side uh, on the weekend, and. They just, they've got no firepower up forward. The times that they can get it up to the half-forward line, they just butcher it and it turned over and North just uh, had everything going for them. Um, probably made them look probably a little bit better than what they are, but uh, I feel sorry for whoever's got North next week because Adelaide's played them in the form. Geelong. Geelong at uh, the Gabba. Well, maybe not so sorry. <laughs> well, the, uh, the Crows have got the Demons, so there's a good chance the Ds will get back on track. Mm. Well, if they Hopefully don't, that's not an not an ill or draw that game. Yeah, I don't know if it'll be the most. It's the uh, it's the Wednesday, it's a Wednesday night part of a double header. Both of those games are double header games. So there you yep. go. It's it's hard to keep up with 
I got an email today that reminds me to put my tips in before <laughs> I've got to put them in for the start of the round for tomorrow so that says yep. plenty um, I know we're pushing time but I reckon uh, you've got a fair bit to say on the Saints they were pretty impressive I know the Swans aren't the top team but they had a, they've been improving over the last few weeks but mm. uh, your Saints were very very good to watch 15-11-101 to 6-12-48 tell us about the Saints yeah, I'd say um, the Swans have uh, been good the last couple of weeks, and they uh, they put up a fight. They look, they were they were still in it at three quarter time, yeah. and were it not for a, a late goal to I think it was Nick Hind, and uh, just before uh, three quarter time, they, they would only be fourteen points down. So they did come back at the Saints in that third quarter. But as I said last week, uh, when St Kilda rolled Port, that it was good to see St Kilda side put the opposition away and they did it again with Sydney and and with Gusto too so well most of their big time recruits came out and played um Zach Jones had a big game Brad Hill didn't have big numbers but he did a lot of run and carry throughout that middle and I'll tell you what when they when you got four of those blokes running streaming down the middle of the ground from half back and with a plethora of options to choose from it looks really really good jack Steele continues his really good season uh jade gresham had a good game i don't think he started the season really well but he's uh sort of come good in the last couple of weeks and hunter clark continues to be a really really good draft pickup for us uh or St Kilda, should i say not us um and nick in conjunction with nick caulfield uh yeah, look, uh, sadly, Tom Papley didn't get up for this game. Oh, well, he, he was there, obviously, but um, I, you'd probably give him a pass for this game. Those that would have seen him prior to the game uh, said he was wearing a black armband for his mate Tyson Bales. So those in the Gippsland footy community, community might know him from uh, Bull and Bullen and Warrigal Dusty. So unfortunately, the young fellow who's 24, who was 24 took his own life throughout the week, at the start of the week, uh, and was uh, good mates with Tom Papley. So that was a, a sad occasion and kind of shook the Gippsland footy community. Uh, there was a lot of outpouring of love for mm. for Tyson, so that was not good news. And, yeah, Paps just didn't have the, the same impact that he's had in previous weeks. And even though there was a couple of options for Sydney up four, they just uh, didn't fire in the end. Nah, I believe there's a good story going up uh, by our mate Russell Bennett at the Packenham mm. Gazette. So jump online and check Russell's story out on, on the young man who did... Pass away sadly in the last uh, few days, and uh, it's yeah, it's a sign of the times at the moment. It's just a very difficult time for everyone, and there's a lot of yep. young people who are struggling to find a way out. And so uh, the and it's hard when even the, the the support of your local footy club or something isn't there because you we can't be at the footy club at the moment or the netball club or whatever. So it's. It's a real challenge that we face going forward, I think, and and yeah. really urgent at the moment, obviously. But uh, even going forward, how we can uh, open up the lines of dialogue, I'm not sure what the answer is, but um, I hope there's people discussing it because something needs to change pretty soon, hey? 
Yep, absolutely. And uh, just a reminder, if anyone's out there struggling, uh, Beyond Blue, 1300 Lifeline, 13 11 14. And uh, I mentioned last week as well, if, if you don't want to talk to anyone but want to listen to some people that have gone through struggles and how they've got through them, Podcast Blokes Don't Talk, that's made in Stratford. Uh, so made in Gippsland, but for everyone. So check that out if you are interested. Definitely. Uh, the Tim Kelly Cup was played on, uh, mm. when was it, Saturday night, West Coast and Geelong. Probably between that one and the Frio game, the two best games of the round. Yep. Um, the Eagles, 11-7-73, came from behind. They were 22 down in the, third, in the second quarter. And the Cats just looked to have their measure. And, but they were overrun in the last quarter. The Cats kicked 10-4-64, so a nine-point win to the Eagles, who flexed their muscles at the right... Right, Tom, I know the Cats were missing Selwood and Ablett, but mm. Eagles were also missing um, probably their, one of their most important players, weren't they, in um, uh, McGovern down back. So yeah. there was, yeah, it's pretty much an even contest in that sense. And it was just a, it was a thriller to watch Tim Kelly um, against his old club and just Chris Scott knows what he was missing anyway, but he got to see it again. Yep. But um, <laughs> I... Again, the 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 eight to ten possession hero of the day was Nick Natanui, who just mm. uh, he's he's probably I know they won their premiership in twenty eighteen without him and um, Andy Gaff, Andrew Gaff, but yep, uh, I get the feeling for the Eagles to win it this year, Nick Nat has to be playing because he's just at his at another level in what he's able to do in influencing a game that tap down in the last quarter to really spark them. That went into the, normally that would go and a rover would crumb that somewhere, but it was Josh Kennedy who just read it perfectly and raced through and snapped that goal and just got them going. And they've got the crowd behind them; they've got the biggest crowds yep. in the in the land behind them. And you, and same with Frio the next game. They it will really get some behind the team. So Eagles and Frio at home are as hard as anyone to play now for the rest of this season. Yeah, uh, look, uh, the Eagles are here. Um, Kennedy, four goals again. Uh, all their mids are starting to contribute. So, yeah, rest of the competition look out because they are here. They are playing very, very well, despite the fact that Cats had good players in, in Duncan, Danger. Uh, Zach Tui played a good game, and Tom Stewart was uh, good down back. But, yeah, that just that. That last quarter, uh, what did they kick? Four goals, one to one goal, two, and that was enough to to do it. So, uh, yeah, look, cats are still thereabouts, aren't they? They're, they're obviously missing sure. a couple of key players, but um, as you said, aren't we all? Uh, yeah, so, right. yeah. This this twenty this twenty day block is going to be very interesting to see what it throws up. Yeah, and the Eagles have got Carlton this next round, and their blue uh, Eagles are only a game off top place, and. They're the only team with five five wins from the last five matches, so it's really as long as they don't lose key injuries, they have to remain premiership favourite. You would think going forward, but uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't want to be playing them in in Perth, which is where most teams will be playing them. I imagine. Um, yeah, look out for the Eagles. At least they're good to watch. We're happy to <laughs> if it isn't our team. You're happy to see a team play well and and uh, and win a premiership if they play. A brand that you're happy to watch, and uh, the Eagles are one of those teams that do that. So, um, yep. Suns and Giants, we don't need to talk much. That was a pretty bland <laughs> game, I felt, but I expected yep. more. But it was just a bit of a, 
Yeah, it's a bit of a nothing game. Giants got up 61 to 35, but yeah. As soon as my favourite player, Toby Green, went down with the hamstring in the first quarter, you, the buzz almost went out of the game. The fizz, the, mm. the excitement. Each time he'd gone near it, you just, you're on edge for what was going to happen. And then he went off. It's like, oh, really? And it just sort yeah. of killed the game a bit, I think. <laughs> and it just became a bit of a dour struggle after that. Yeah, um, he's one of those players you turn the TV on or go to the ground to watch for for whatever reason, whether you love him or hate him. Uh, And really the AFL sort of lacks a lot of those players now that's been sort of the personality's been coached out of a lot of players and, you know, touch back to Paul Daffy saying he, he watches maybe half a game and it's all a bit prescribed now and, and overcoached. And part of the, the appeal for me just quickly on uh, going watching footy in the country and, and Gippsland is that it's a throwback to what footy used to be when we were growing up and you and I of similar age and, we remember all the tough stuff and the quick running and the quick marking and the big full forwards who don't leave the goal square unless it's coming into forward 50 and uh, a lot of that's out of the game now. So um, all those players that you used to watch uh, for that reason have gone. But yeah, look, um, as you say, it was a bit of a nothing game and Giants did what they had to do to win and you have a look at the stat sheet and I think the top nine disposal getters are all from GWS and the the top disposal getter for G, uh, for uh, Gold Coast was Jack Lacocious so uh, I think you got a few issues when that's happening but um, look the the Suns the, the, the flare might be uh, petering out a little bit now um, who knows uh, as I say this 20 day block will probably bring up a few interesting results yeah and the the issue for the Giants they've they've won and they're sitting seventh but um, Matt DeBoer went off late in the game also with a mm. hamstring. It's become a bit of a hamstring season. And uh, yep. that's the the Giants play Essendon this week. It's probably the only positive Essendon fans are, are finding is the fact there's a couple of key injuries. But the that's the concern for Leon Cameron. They're, they can eke out yep. the wins and sneak into the eight, but they just have to pray they have a full list together come finals time to be any chance because... yeah. Yeah, if, if, if you're going in with two or three of your stars out and then you come up against the West Coast or Brisbane up there or something, uh, might be a step too far for the Giants. They really do need their full list. So that's that's the challenge that um, Leon Cameron faces going forward. And the the huge game to finish the round mm. it was it was a thriller. It kept us on edge right to the end. And Frio got up a huge upset and they deserved it they were outstanding they uh they won 10-1 good good kicking is good football isn't it uh and 10-1-61 the dockers to 7-7-49 the pies so there's a few chances there that they might rue but uh when you talk pressure and you talk effort uh that is exactly what Fremantle brought and I, i wonder whether Justin Longmuir, having come from Collingwood and being so closely involved with Bucks, whether uh, he was able to use some of that now to convince his players that they were capable of beating the Pies, and it was handy yep. having that five come back in. Not that he was best on ground, but he was he was pretty he was pretty good. But um, yep. some of the young blokes, young Sarong, really yep. stood up. He was fantastic. Ryan down back did some good things. Mm-hmm. Um, Brayshaw had a crack. Some of those really younger blokes, Conker played not a bad game either. Yeah. Um, Schultz, a couple of really important goals. So they, some really, it's still a long way ahead for the Dockers, but they they can really pat themselves on the back and feel good about themselves after that performance. And conversely, 
Um, Bucks, who hasn't had a great week, he, he's 25000 lighter after... Um, <laughs> oh, I think he might only have to pay half for that, so he might only be yeah. thirteen and a half. But uh, that's a pretty expensive game of tennis, even if it was with a, yeah. a former great uh, female player in uh, Alicia Mollick. But... Um, yeah, he's one of the most sensible blokes in the competition, Buck. So it's scratch, a bit of a scratch your head at that one because uh, yeah. if anyone was not going to stuff up, I would have thought it would have been Bucks. But <laughs> he's learned his lesson the hard way. Uh, Eddie, Eddie said everyone should be sent home who stuffs up, but it's interesting <laughs> that uh, Bucks wasn't sent home. But um, you know, we'll probably come to expect that a bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was. It was uh, just a brilliant way to finish on a really bad day when we've been told that it's. Lockdown and uh, life's extremely uncertain at the moment. You just were really flat throughout the Sunday afternoon and then Frio dished that up and you sort of got to fr- uh, Sunday night at least with a bit of a buzz in having seen a, a pretty thrilling contest. Yeah. Um, look, you look at that game, you think how important was uh, still side bottom to keep Collingwood in that match? Uh, he did a lot of things in that second half. Obviously, he was kept quiet. I believe he was tagged in that first half, but he came out of the blocks in the second half and he, he did a lot of things to keep Collingwood in that game and they're, they're still missing that one key cog, I think, Collingwood, that uh, was winning them games in the first half of the season and that was Jeremy Howe. Uh, there's several times where a how would have just floated across and intercepted a mark or a spoil and they're just missing uh, him, I think, in, in that back line and he's such an important part of their setup, and still side bottom was as well and he's obviously an important part of that midfield for Collingwood and he did his job as well as Trelaw who keeps racking up numbers. Um, but look, for, as you say, Frio's pressure was off the charts and you, you're quoting the, the pressure gauge on Fox footy and <laughs> maxing over the top of what it normally is and, and, and that was apparent too. Like Frio made mistakes. Uh, they didn't hit targets all the time and handballs went wide and kicks uh, didn't hit their targets but they were still just ferocious at Collingwood's ball carriers and just forced them into mistakes. And You mentioned Caleb Sarong who's been a really good pickup for Frio especially since he's come into the side. He's backed up a a rising star nominated game from last week uh, with a, a really good game probably one of their best if not the best on the ground uh, David Mundy uh, and Nate Fife they were, they were both really good as well and a couple of the other guys he mentioned as well and Tabernal was good up forward too I think he might be a little bit maligned um, over in the west and because he's bad is bad but he's good is good but I think he kicked four in the end and he, he did really well for Frio and part of the reason why they they won the game the world we live in, uh, you can imagine that the back page tomorrow won't be about Frio's great win. It'll be about Collingwood's no. bad loss. So that will be the the theme of the week. The good thing for Collingwood fans and for my Essendon fans and all us uh, shocking performing teams this week is that uh, we don't have to worry about any much talk between rounds and that might uh, minimise the damage in the... Uh, in the media for a few teams because round 10 kicks off tonight, Monday night, August 3rd. Uh, Port Adelaide taking on the Bulldogs tonight. Um, tomorrow night, Tuesday, you've got Richmond-Brisbane. Then you've got a doubleheader Wednesday night, Geelong and North into Adelaide and Melbourne. And then Thursday night, doubleheader, Collingwood-Swans into Suns and Saints. And Friday night, Bombers and Giants. And uh, Carlton, Frio, Hawks and Eagles have a bye. So... Uh, 
the, the round will actually be finished on uh, on Friday night uh, next week. So this is uh, this is the most unprecedented round in the history of the game coming up. I think mm. we've never we've never seen something like this. So good thing we don't have to stew on Essendon's loss for too long, or, or, or revel in St Kilda's win for too long either, mate. Because uh, we're straight back into it tonight. Yeah, look at. You're right. It, it is a, a bit unprecedented, isn't it? And it, it feels like no relief. And you and I are both watching as many games as possible, and you don't want it to become a chore, as it were. But yeah, look, uh, it, it, it's a it's a it feels like a round with within like a, a mini round, uh, uh, sort of. And yeah, I'm, I'm not overly thrilled with the double headers on Wednesday and Thursday. But you know, I've got no say in that whatsoever. So. Yeah. <laughs> no, you might have to do the record and watch the next day. Uh, although you may be, if you like a lot of others, you may be. I'm guessing you might be cutting back in a few hours. Is that is that what's going to happen with your work? Are you looking okay? Do you think, or you got to wait until Dan uh, speaks again? Uh, we'll have to wait until Dan speaks again. So by the time this airs, I'll probably know. But. Um, yeah, it's probably not looking great. I wouldn't describe uh, my workplace as necessarily essential service, even though we carry um, essential products. But yeah, that's probably enough about my workplace. I think uh, people will get a bit bored uh, talking about uh, lowly retail work as opposed to the footy, which is what they're listening for. Yeah, no, nah, but uh, it's 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 the reality <laughs> for everyone at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, true. It's the footy's becoming a really important distraction and let's just pray that there's no mm. slip ups at AFL level and they shut the thing down because that would uh, yep. really be bad because um, as much as it might be uh, annoying some partners of people who are sitting there watching every single game uh, at least at least it's giving us just something <laughs> to really talk about and look forward to because what would you and me be talking about otherwise you know there just wouldn't be the the discussions would just be really mm. uh not as potentially uh, competitive, competitive bake, uh, cake baking, maybe. Yeah, I know, and that could be a disaster. So thank God we <laughs> think we've got this. Um, we've had a bit of an extended show because we've had the great Paul Daffy on for a fascinating chat. But just before we do go, your local, just the local uh, Gippsland updates in terms of footy and. Uh, I know it's been a big week, and with the COVID situation, it looks like yeah. the brief respite we had with a bit of bit of action. I know my mate Rod Gundrell was uh, starting to coach a few games at One Thaggy in the under 18s, but it looks like he's going to have to uh, sit at home and watch his Hawks for, in the comfort of his home instead of getting to the footy club for the next few weeks. Yeah, look, there's a little bit of news locally, and I'll zip through it as quickly as possible for the listeners and for those new to the podcast. All the local stuff is uh, all about Gippsland football because we are based in Gippsland. Uh, yeah, all the competitions are now postponed indefinitely due to the COVID situation. So we did get some results over the weekend in the Gippsland League under 16s and 18s. So I'll quickly zip through the 16s results. Uh, Mafra defeated Langatha by 67. Moe defeated Morwell by 84. Trialgan defeated Sale by 107. Bansdale defeated Wonthaggy by 74. And Druin defeated Warrigal by 6. Uh, in the under-18s, Moel defeated Moe by 31. Sale defeated Trelgan by 40. Wonthaggy defeated Bansdale by 57. Druin defeated Warrigal by 6. So both uh, the under-16s and 18s Druin Warrigal games were both decided by a goal. Uh, Lee and Gatha and Mafra was decided by forfeit. So Mafra uh, decided to forfeit that game due to COVID reasons. Uh, now, we've got some re-signings of players. 
players, so I'll just name the clubs because a lot of the clubs name a plethora of players. So Turretin, Dalmore, Nyora, Morwell Eastern, Trelgonor, uh, named re-signings of players. Uh, there's a couple of coach re-signings. So Dean Alga will helm Warrigal again next year. Uh, and Trafalgar will also have Chris Kiriaku. I hope they said. I hope I said that <laughs> right. He will be at Trafalgar again next year. Uh, and Kilcunder Bass are also seeking a coach, or not just a senior coach, but I think across the board and in all age levels uh, down at the footy club and the netball club. Uh, there was a couple of things on. Part of me on the socials. So obviously we touched on Tyson Bale, which is uh, not the best news story of the week. Uh, there was a, a really good thing to remember him by. So uh, those who remember, I think it was 2015, uh, he kicked a massive torpedo outside 50 to win the game for Bull and Bull and when he was uh, playing for the Lyrebirds. So uh, that's on a few different social networks. So that's on Gippsland Footy. So you're more than welcome to check that out. Uh, Buck and shared a, a nice little photo, uh, not photo, a, a video of uh, them. They've they've been through the wars this year uh, up in the hills, Buckin. So they've had the bushfires and and drought to deal with, and then they had a bit of minor f- flooding just on one of the wings. So uh, good to see it raining up there. But uh, yeah, fingers crossed they don't have to deal with uh, any more flooding there. Uh, the big news story, which I'll cap off with, is obviously at the start of the week. Yulon North announced that they were exploring their options for 2021. So Mid-Gippsland uh, Football League did uh, share a social media post by Yulon North saying that they have permission to talk to the North Gippsland Football League. So uh, we'll watch that with interest. Uh, they're, they're playing their cards close to their chest at the moment and they're just saying, look, we're, we're just exploring our options um, and we're just looking at the potential feasibility of... Uh, a move like that may may or may not occur, so uh, we'll know more on that later down the track. Okay. There you have it. Very comprehensive uh, summary. There won't be much, probably, probably won't be a lot of updates over the next few weeks in terms of local footy action, maybe maybe a few signings, but uh, in terms of results and things like that, we're, we're going to be a bit quiet, aren't we, on the local front, which is um, mm. sad, and as we said, there's been some tough tough times and some people really struggling and we just hope that uh, watching the AFL and maybe even listening to our waffle and whatever else uh, keeps you keeps you entertained and keeps you tuning in and keeps you thinking positive thoughts because uh, we're all struggling and uh, we all need to mm. we all need to find things to look forward to and the footy's one thing that's giving us something to look forward to so hopefully hopefully yep. this week's a good week for everyone out there um yeah, footy each night to keep us keep us entertained, which is great. Hopefully, you can uh, stay positive during the week and uh, give your kids a hug. Um, find some. Yep. I, w- I went and had a day out with. I uh, didn't see much footy on the Saturday. I went and took the boy, young Ernie, out for a, a day near the beach and oh, Port Albert and down near the, the long jetty at Port Welsh. It was great to get out and the weather was perfect. So it's just a good good little circuit breaker just to. Just to do that, yep. you're the same. You've got some kids running around at home too, so it's the same sort of thing for you. When, yes. when on the brief moments you can get out, it, it's certainly worthwhile. Yeah, well, I might have a few more than a, <laughs> a few brief moments coming up. <laughs> uh, there might be a bit of homeschooling involved, but uh, yeah, look, uh, everyone, stay safe, and if you need to talk to someone, do it. Um, get it. You need to move past the stigma of mental health these days. Um, a lot of people are struggling, so make sure you talk to someone. And before we sign off, 
I did have a mate uh, who is now an avid listener, and he said we said we said the word bugbear too many times last episode. So apart from me just saying it just now, we haven't used it once well, this episode. Without even so suck well on done. that. I didn't. Uh, I didn't even. No, I didn't pick up on it either. Apparently, we said it uh, a dozen times. So for any other listeners that picked up on that, we didn't say it once apart from <laughs> that one time. Now, <laughs> good work. And and just for those people that do have to homeschool again, just know that I learned all my maths through AFL scoring. So if you're uh, if you're yeah. struggling to work out your maths projects, just just give them a few sums with the footy scores and that's enough to uh, yep. be a tick in my in my my uh, my checklist. I'm quite happy <laughs> if my student happened yep. to just say, Oh, eight eights is this and this and this seven eights is this um well most of mine was just sixes so it was you know six times yeah, ten it was bang on you straight away but if it was uh seven <laughs> times eleven or something i'd be scratching my head for a while but as soon as you as soon as it was six <laughs> by i could go pretty high but yeah it's uh, funny how we learn but uh as parents a few of you I'm sure we're starting to uh, relearn certain approaches to schooling that you, you probably thought you never had to think about again <laughs> That's it. Very good. Well, I'd love to say go Bombers to finish off, but that is probably the last thing on anyone's mind after this weekend's performance. So we'll leave it to the Saints man to <laughs> sign off. But that was Any Given Monday, an extended edition with the big thank you to Paul Daffy, great author of uh, all things yes. football. Thanks, he's Dave. been fantastic and we'll get him on again in the coming weeks because uh, he's fantastic to listen to. All right, mate, you can yep. sign us off. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you made it this far, it's been a long one, this one. And go Saints. Any given Monday.